Hello and welcome to The Other Half Podcast, where we talk about the other half of life that doesn't make the highlight reel. The other half of life looks like going off script, telling stories, and sharing poignant insights on the Enneagram, entrepreneurship, and relationships. I'm Justin Boggs, certified Enneagram coach and entrepreneur. And I'm Meredith Boggs, writer and speaker behind The Other Half blog. We are back kicking off episode 31. And last week we talked about identity versus dignity and answering those questions. So what are we talking about today? It kind of, kind of tags onto that. TSA, are you asking me to TS, TS up? Yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about what happens when we don't choose. I did, uh, the question of dignity first. Mm-hmm. Um, plainly put today, we're going to talk about the motivation level. We're going to talk about you know, when we talk about Enneagram stuff, we talk about behavior, core beliefs, core values, but the the power of the Enneagram speaks all the way down to this motivational place. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're going to talk a lot about triads, the motivational level of the triads and, um, and how they came into fruition and how we can begin to recognize them ourselves so that we can see that down to that deep level of motivation um, to begin to bring up awareness. How's that? I love it. Devin. Um, so uh, we read this in Chris Hurt's book, Sacred Enneagram, and he he talked about um, how Henry Nouwen came up with. So Henry Nouwen was, was a priest, right? He was a mystic. He was a priest. He was a theologian, um, and he came up with this theory of the lies that we live with. Mm-hmm. So he said that we all live with. We can all boil we all live with three lies. You can boil down the things that we accidentally believe down to three things. One is I am what other people think of me. Another is I am what I do. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is I am what I have. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about that is you can very easily associate those three lies to the three triads. Yeah. Um, I am what I do is eight, nine, one, eight, nine, one, the doing, doing triad. Yeah. Um, now a nine might out there might think, well, how am I don't believe that at all. But I am what I do also speaks to what you don't do, right? Yeah. It's still focused on doing. It's still centered around doing. Yeah. Um, the I am what I have is the head triad, five, six, seven. Um now some people might think like, well, seven isn't I am what I have, they're free spirit and they don't care and da da da. But it's all based around security, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have the right things, maybe it's things, maybe it's knowledge, knowledge maybe it's yeah. freedom. Uh, responsibility, maybe it's freedom. Uh, but the lie that they believe is I am what I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one is I am what other people think. Um, and it's the two, three, four. That's the two, three, four, the heart triad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about last week, I think a little bit, we talked about how the heart triads relate all entirely relational based. Mm -hmm. We talked about how, um, they see life through the lens of relationship. Mm -hmm. So like they make sense of things through the lens of the dynamic between two people Mm -hmm. or the dynamic between a bunch, you and them and a bunch of other people. Um, and I guess to start off the thing that I want to shed light into is that like, is that the three lies that we end up believing, uh, I'll start with, I am, Mm -hmm. I am is an identity question or it's an identity statement or an identity answer. And so we talked last week about how we get stuck in these cycles of trying to figure out who we are, what's our purpose, what's our mission. These are all identity questions and it's just the wrong, you, you can't start there, right? Um, that's why this week we will, I wanted to talk about 
when we don't start there or when we don't start with dignity, where we get stuck in our identity. Right. Um, in the search for some type of identity that makes sense to us. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll circle back to the Henry Nouwen's three lies, but, um, what's, what I really, really loved about them was that they're super simple. And here's, here's the idea. If left unchecked, um, we, we start to believe those lies, Mm -hmm. right? When we believe those lies, we become our false self, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So our true self, our true identity, our true dignity and value Mm -hmm. is what we talked about last week. And when we don't take that pathway, we become a fault, our false self. And like talk about motivational level, right? The, the lie that I subconsciously believe, I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't even think about how my value or my identity is wrapped up in what What you do. Yeah. What other, yeah. What, or what you do or don't do. Um, but that's that it's a, it's from the, it's a motivational subconscious level. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about false self? What is false self? I think our false selves is kind of like that to me. I think, well, I think about, I have to think about like our true self first. And I feel like that's the like core of who we are. That's kind of like the the little kid in all of us. That's like free and uninhibited and just like the truest essence of who we are. Um, and I think that essence is kind of what we've spoken to the last couple of weeks about the part of us that reflects a part of God or the part of us that makes a part of God known to the world. Um, and our false self is like just all the other crap of life that we've taken on. And I think a lot of the it, word covering taken on yeah, the word covering comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think some of it's, um, and I think this is where like nature and nurture kind of comes in, um, where it could be part of nurture of like, you know, we grew up playing this role in this family, mm-hmm. whether you grew up like the child of an alcoholic, whether you grew up in a really, you know, with a really codependent parent or whatever kind of house, whatever kind of home you grew up in, you learn to take on certain roles. And then as you, you know, as you grew older and as you learned, you adapted and, that to me is like all those things, all the coping mechanisms, all the, all Mannerisms, the roles, tactics yeah, that we, that we've taken on that, that is what creates our false selves. And it's the, it's the lies of our identity of, I am what I do. It's our, it's the lies. Yes. I am what I have. I am what other people think about yeah, me. So we talked about false self equals covering equals, um, uh, what's the word that you used? Um, Oh, they, but they, the, the idea is that our false self continues to evolve over time. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like the onion from Shrek. Like yeah. It layer over layer, mm-hmm. over layer, over layer. And which is why I have such incredible, number one is why I have such incredible respect for older people because of the courage that they have for diving, diving into the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of, a lot of layers. Mm-hmm. And another cool point about that is that what's the origin of personality? Persona. What is persona in Latin? Remember? Persona is mask. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and that's another covering. It's another facade. It's another fake thing. And mm-hmm. so um yeah, I don't know. I think this stuff is I think this stuff is really cool. And if we can begin to to understand the why uh behind the way that we are, and if we can begin to understand um how it got there, we can begin to have to have a little bit more compassion for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can begin to have a little bit more compassion for other people. Now, imagine if you just met a person and they were comfortable or vulnerable enough to, with you to tell them that they were a six and they told you that, that they were a six. 
learning the Enneagram, you could go all the way back and understand them at this motive at this deep, deep motivational level by th- beginning to think, oh my gosh, the lie that he or she believes that and has believed for their entire lives, and I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious, is I am what I have. And when you it's just it's a really, really cool empathy tool mm-hmm. at that point. Um so talking about these layers, right, that kind of like build on top of each other, which are which we call our false self. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's his name? Uh, I forgot his first name, but his last name is Keaton. Uh, Keating. A, Keating's programs. Keating, yeah, he he came up with a, a methodology called Keating's programs. And ironically, once again, there were three main uh, kind of categories programs that, that fit that fit very nicely with the triads. That fit very nicely with the triads and. These programs kind of speak to how we got to believe those lies, right? So we talked about the lies first that we subconsciously believe ourselves every day as adults and, and, and as kids. Um, so why, why are they those lies? How did they get there? Like, how did they evolve in this kind of way? Keating's programs is a cool way to, that answers that. He says that as children, we like as children, as we grow up, in order for us to have a certain, like in order for us to have normal psychological development or psychological development is not the right word, but it's uh, for, in order for us to have, um, normal brain development over time, right? Mm -hmm. We have to, we have to have three main things. We have to have power and control. That's so I'm going to use two words per category. Number one, we have to have power and control. Number two, we have to have safety and security. Number three, we have to have affection and esteem, Mm -hmm. power and control. What triad would that be in? 891. 891. Security and safety. What triad would that be in? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was, I, I answered 891 and I was thinking the gut triad um, or the um, anger triad. Sorry. Oh, oh, I'm, oh, oh. I'm confusing myself, interchanging all these words. Oh, um, yeah. And then safety and security is the, is the head triad, head triad. or the, the five, six, five, six, seven. five, six, seven, fear triad, head triad. Yeah. Safety and security equals fear, mm-hmm. right? Power and control equals anger. Mm-hmm. That those kind of naturally relate to each other, right? Yeah. Affection and esteem yeah. equals shame. The shame triad. The two, oh my three, gosh. Four. Yeah. Two, three, four. Shame mm-hmm. triad. So next, make sure you that you guys, if you listen to this episode and you like it, make sure you listen to next week's episode because next week we're going to talk about childhood wounds mm-hmm. versus our um, attack on virtue mm-hmm. uh, versus trauma. So we're going to talk about all the three of those things and how they relate and how they don't relate. Mm-hmm. Um, in that conversation, we're going to talk about nature versus nurture. Um, but with that being said, I came to believe the subconscious lie that I am what other people think of me because I was not because I was not loved and not because I, I had no self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But it was because I learned at a very, very young age what got me love and mm-hmm. what got me esteem, mm-hmm. right? Um, I remember one of my earliest memories as a kid was when my dad was going to work. And I'm the oldest of six kids now. At that time, it was just me and my little brother. And he was going to work and he either had late nights or early nights. And so it was a late night and he, that means he wasn't going to get home till 11 and we weren't going to see him uh, until the next morning. and he said, take care of your brother, make sure you lead him well, and you're going to be, and you're the man of the house. You're, you're responsible. You're the responsible one. And I don't know what, I, I don't even remember what I did that day after we got home from school, but the next morning 
I w- we woke up and dad, my dad told me that I had done a good job. I was a leader. I was responsible. I was a role model. All of those things, mm-hmm. all of those things brought me affection for my dad and they mm-hmm. brought me esteem, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, it's not necessarily that you didn't have these things. It's just mm-hmm. that they, you had it a was natural somehow adherence. Reinforced. Yeah. Yeah. You had a natural adherence towards understanding them maybe a little bit more quickly or clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you just say? You said it something good. You had, it, was in, it was something that was enforced or reinforced. Yes. That, enforced or reinforced. Can you think of a situation as a kid where power and control fits for you? I can't think of like an actual story. Um, but I know, I know from being, I, so both of my parents were firstborns and then, and they obviously married each other. And then I had an older sister. I'm the second of four. And so when I came along, I was in a family of three firstborns. And everything was taken care of. Yeah. Control was already established. Yeah. Power was like, obviously, uh, uh, appropriated already. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like early on, I, again, I don't have a memory to Mm -hmm. associate it with it, but it just feels like early on, it was like, nope, you got to get in there and you got to stake your claim (laughs) or, you know, (laughs) go sit in the corner because it's going to be taken care of and somebody else is going to have something to say about it. Here's what's interesting. Can I speak into that for a Uh second? Here's what's interesting about that. There's two things that happened as a kid. Number one, you saw power and control everywhere. Uh huh. Right. Um, so you perceived, so we always use the word, the lens by which we see life, Mm -hmm. the lens by which you saw life often, Mm -hmm. it sounds like was through the lens of power and control. Mm -hmm. You could always tell who had it or Mm -hmm. who was in the control, who had the most power, who had the most control or who, uh, had the most control or power over you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then your coping mechanism to combat, like to, to have relationship with power and control was to combat it. Yeah. Or to match it. Or to match it. Yeah. Which was the eight mm-hmm. coming out, right? So the so the gut triad or the anger triad, eight, nine, one, the lens by which they see life, they all see that power and control. Mm-hmm. What they end up doing about it. So it's a two-step process. You can mm-hmm. see it, you, you think about it, and then you externalize it, behave Do. about it. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the coping mechanism that you use to, to deal with it, to understand it, honestly, mm-hmm. was aggression or challenging mm-hmm. or, or assertion, assertion, right. Which is the eightness mm-hmm. in the, in the anger triad. So mm-hmm. the way that the nine, so the nine would do this half of the same process. They would see the power, they would mm-hmm. see the control and, but the way that they would cope mm-hmm. is by making peace, by mm-hmm. leveling everything out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just funny because then my next two sisters that came along, they're both nines. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's so interesting. It's fascinating. Well, and, and part of the reason, not part of the reason why they're nines, but I can understand or empathize with the fact that they peace made mm-hmm. because by the time you grew up a little bit and mm-hmm. started to add a couple of layers of false self mm-hmm. through that uh, challenging piece or aggression piece. Yeah all they saw was even more power and control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you saw it times three, they saw it times four, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah. Got a little in the weeds there, but no, but it was a good example. Yeah. I think hopefully. Um, so one big, one major point about this is that I want to make is that they, these three Keaton's programs, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. They're not bad at all. 
And in fact, you can't blame a three-year-old mm-hmm. for choosing aggression to combat their relationship with power and control, right? Number one, you can't blame them because they don't like, they're still forming consciousness. They don't have, they don't understand the idea of self. They don't understand the idea of, uh, I'm my own being at that point, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They're still going through, uh, they're they're at a three-year-old is, is still discovering that they are separate from any other person in the world. Right? So how can we expect, even as kids get grow up a little bit more, we can't expect, um, for them to begin to understand their own accidental subconscious coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. But if we don't have the power of the Enneagram over time, we just get stuck there. There's just more layers and layers and layers that we get. There's more complex ways that an eight gets aggressive. Mm -hmm. It's just more complex ways that a three gets mischievous. It's just kind of like the older that it's kind of like the older you get, like the more sophisticated your sin gets and the more you can be like, Oh, well that's like the more you can justify and be like, Oh, well that's not really that. But it's like, no, like exactly. let's, let's peel back the layers at the, like at the core of this, this is greed or this is hate or this is lust or envy or whatever it is. Well, go ahead. I didn't mean to no, I was just going to say, it's just, it's, it's kind of going back to that onion analogy that it's like, we just kind of like build these layers and it's that covering mentality that we just get sophisticated in the way that we label it and the way that we, the way that we act out or don't act out or, um, I don't know, kind of going back to the, to the motivation level versus the, the behavior. So reasons why those coping mechanisms start in the first place and why our onion is so complex at this point, I think you explained really beautifully. Um, here's, here's another pathway. Okay. So last week we talked about taking the pathway of choosing to un choosing to believe and place your faith in the value question first. Mm -hmm. The dignity question. Value question, dignity question, yeah. Um, Or continuing to strive after Mm self-identifying, right? Here, Another pathway here is as soon as we begin to uh, grow in a little bit of self-awareness, we find ourselves at another fork in the road, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as we begin to dive into the Enneagram, like I think that I think this is one of the biggest problems about the Enneagram right now. Okay. Yeah. As soon as we learn a little bit about the Enneagram, we it becomes a cool party trick. It it like it tickles our narcissists. It's cool, it's cool until it's uncomfortable. And then we're like, oh, well, uh-huh. that's that's cool. That's all I want to learn, which is why people kind of stop it. Like, oh, I'm a I'm a seven wing eight. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, ooh, you have to be this, right? It's it tickles our narcissist a little bit, and it's fun uh, mm-hmm. because we're in a constant search for identity, mm-hmm. right? So it's like maybe the enneagram will help. No, what it does is it tickles your fancy and up until the point to where it is is uncomfortable, right? Yeah, and that's the fork. Fork in the road is I'm gonna stay and either not go any deeper in the Enneagram or I'm just going to stay at this level uh, so that I can continue to over-identify mm-hmm. with my onion, with yeah. my false self. Yeah. Well, which is also, we've talked about this before, that your type is not a justification for your behavior. Um, or <laughs> This any, is why. Or anything. Right. Um, yeah. And that's why, and like, we'll dive more into this next week when we, what are we, what are we talking about next week? Oh, we're talking Child about. Wounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like none of that is a justification for your, like your. Yeah, exactly. Your, um, oh my gosh. What's Justific- the, op- that's what's why the I always- opposite of virtue? The false self. No. Oh my gosh. 
Why? What is wrong with my brain? Virtue. You're tired. Dignity no. and identity. No. What's the bad part? The sin. Sin tendency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fixations, passions. Yes, there yes, it is. Yep. 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 Um, that, yeah, that's, that's where. Yeah. Yep. Make your point. I My brain's gone. Oh, dang it. Okay. Sorry. Night shift brain. Going, I guess getting back to the, to the, the fork in the road, maybe. Mm-hmm. Continuing to justify, like it, because it's uncomfortable, mm. we have to make a conscious decision, right? Here's what happens if we take the right path. So if we take the wrong path, we continue to justify uh, bad behavior. We continue, we continue to use the Enneagram as a fun party trick. Uh, we continue to use, honestly, we continue to use We just to continue use the to use the, I, the Enneagram for, to answer the question of identity before we have, boom, before we've had the, the courage to dive in and and do discover our, dig- do our dignity. This is an over-identification of anything is actually an under, under-identification of who you actually are, mm-hmm. right? So if I over-identify as a three, I am belittling every other beautiful, perfectly made portion of who I am in God's eyes. Um, and honestly, and- same goes, well, let me, I want to say that, finish this. Honestly, same goes for every other identif- identifier that we deal with in culture today. And like personality like a, assessment tools no, or even, or even like labels like, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a like, Christian. I'm gay. I'm a Republican. Uh-huh. I'm conservative. I'm Southern. I'm a family guy. I'm a heterosexual. I'm, I'm polygamist. Like we, we, because we're in this subconscious search for identity, mm-hmm. we over identify with all of those titles. And as soon as we begin to over identify with those titles, we actually under identify with who we actually are. We, and, and that, what sucks about that, what's sad about that is that not only do we miss out for ourselves, but everyone else in the world misses out too. Yeah. Well, and too, I think kind of what you're saying is that when we start to over identify with our Enneagram type of like, oh, I'm a type three, I'm a type eight. That's when we miss out. And, <sighs> and, and I, I love people that are like, screw the Enneagram. I, you can't put me into a box and, you know, this and that, whatever. What did your dad say this weekend? He said that he was a, a 6.567 or something like that. <laughs> a 3.14 or 4, something. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways, um, but I I kind of appreciate those people that are like, screw the Enneagram. You can't put me into a box because they're a little bit argumentative. And I just kind of like that anyways. But I, but I appreciate it because people that are on the other end of the spectrum, that's like, oh yeah, I'm a three or I'm a two. And that's where their identity lies. They, you, the Enneagram is so like, when we already talked about this, it's so complex because like the image of who God is, is so there's so many facets of his character. And because, because, we're made in his because image. we bear his image, we are so nuanced and so complex that the Enneagram gives us language and it gives us a framework to help understand ourselves and others better, but it can never like simplify and distill down who we are mm-hmm. as, as a human being, because we're all so different. And so I think kind different of going, and perfectly made. Yeah. And, is- and so going back to like this whole identity thing that it's like when we over identify, even with our Enneagram type, we miss out really on who we were created to be. Yes, exactly. Amen. I want to make the point of when we begin to over identify with any of these titles that we give ourselves, mm-hmm. not only do we miss out and does everybody else miss out on who we actually are, that is the beginning point of our, of our shit cycle. So we talked about it. I think in the last season, we talked about how we, you and I get as in our marriage, get stuck in shit. Kind of like that thing that we do. That thing that we do. Right. 
um, or that thing that they do, right? And as soon as we begin to lean on, I like the phrase lean on because it's more so like maybe it's purposeful, maybe it's accidental, but we, I, I knew as a six-year-old that I could lean on affection and esteem. It, well, because I saw it always and I, because I figured out how to kind of like master it pretty early, uh-huh. I wanted to lean on it because I was good at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but as soon as we begin as adults to lean on these, um, uh, Keaton's programs as like, as, uh, like solutions to the problem mm-hmm. to, to kind of like sub also subconsciously combat now lies. That's the beginning of our shit cycle. Cause it, all that does is adds another layer to the onion of false self that we are not, mm-hmm. which covers up even, which, which is, which means it's going to take that much longer to Christ in me meets Christ in you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause covering up our essence, which is the image of God. Exactly. That's in each of us. I, I, want, I want to read this because I think it might be short and clear. Uh, over-identifying with, with fragmented parts of our identity. So I haven't said fragmented, the word fragmented yet, but um, as soon as we begin to lean on one of those titles, it, we, we fragment ourselves mm-hmm. because we are shining light into one portion of a whole being that's a whole being and mm-hmm. not just one. So we've, we've fragmented that person, right? Or ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over-identifying with fragmented parts of our identity, successes or failures, what we have, et cetera, allows the small fragmented piece, pieces to lay claim over the entirety of who we are. This pushes us further into the shit cycle, gathering more and more small bits of shit, adding to the heaping pile or the onion peels. It's probably more PC. Um, and over time, we just end up calling that Id- our identity. Yeah. Right. Because that's the thing that makes the most sense at that point. One, because we don't know anything else. Because we've taken all of those things as our identity. And it, it, it feels horrifying to think of who we would be without them. Oh my gosh, yes. It would be detri- like, like it, it feels detrimental. Yeah. Like we would die. It yes. feels like we would die. That's why, like, so bring it all the way to the top level, right? Mm-hmm. Every, everybody can see in a three that they love what they do for a living. <laughs> and... And that they want to make sure that everybody else knows about it, Mm -hmm. right? That is one of the simplest ways to look at behavior and under, but then just see that little small piece of behavior. We've gotten, we've talked from the down, from down up, from motivation all the way up to behavior. So that's the behavior. Now have, now you can understand how empathy happens with the Enneagram because that three wants to be recognized so badly because he believes the lie that he is what other people think. And thus he uses the tactic to uses whatever tactics that he's learned over life to get affection and esteem. And all that he wants is for somebody to remind him that you are loved for who you are and not what you do. That's, that is a, we just went all through the the levels of a three. Yeah. You just cut through all that shit. Like you've been talking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to read a quote by um, Chris Hertz and then we can wrap. Cool. Um, He said in his book, uh, Sacred Enneagram, my constant struggle is to recognize my addictive tendency to validate my worth, quote unquote dignity, right? Validate my worth by curating an unrealistic and unattainable projection of who I think I need to be, identity. So he, his constant, all of our struggles every day, here's the struggle. We struggle to recognize like it is, re- even if we're self-aware, this hat, well, this is only happening in self-aware 
in a self-aware person. Mm-hmm. My constant struggle, what honestly for me, what keeps me on my knees in prayer every day is how freaking hard it is for me to see my own addictive tendencies to use my own coping mechanisms in order to just validate who I am because all that I want to do is add another layer to the onion because that Mm -hmm. feels safe and it feels secure, right? Um, It feels like you're tearing something off of you Mm -hmm. when you rip those layers off. But only when you rip those layers off over and over and over again are we able to sit in a place of this is Christ in me meeting Christ in you. Well, and live out of our dignity instead of our identity. Well, and live out of our true dignity, yeah. our true value. Yeah. Who we, the value that we really have um, and who we really are. And we far too often can like confuse ourselves by believing that who we are is that false self, the onion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we keep trying to validate it by using the same coping mechanisms, mechanisms that worked for forever, mm-hmm. um, which isn't bad. We like, they worked for a period of time. Yeah. And those are, that's, and that's, that's great. It's, it's honestly part of the, it's honestly a lot of the reason as to why we can be normal functioning adults today. Right. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. And like, it's the I means mean, by which we got yeah. here. Yeah. And even on some level, it's part of like, it's part of the unique gift that you bring to the world and not to, you know, Yes, correct. Like, I don't, we'll we'll get, we'll get more into this when we talk about like the childhood wounds and trauma. But I think a lot of like, you can't, it's, it's not as black and white to say like, oh, this is good. And this is bad that we learned to do this because you can't like, it's, it's just not that simple. It's not that black and white. Like you learned ways of interacting with other people. You learned ways of interacting with the world in order to survive. And you obviously did a pretty good job of it. Cause you survived this far in mm-hmm. life if you're still here and we're talking about it. Um, but, and so it's, you can't, you can't just label it as good and bad because you have to look at it for like, what, what did this, what did this teach me? Where did it get me? But is it still serving me? And the truth is, is that a lot of things that, you know, served us earlier in life, they don't serve us now, but we mm-hmm. hold on to them because they're comfortable and they're known. And it was like, Oh, well, it got me this far. So surely it can get me, you know, further along. A little along. bit further. Yeah. When in reality. It's not further on. It's yeah. just a little bit further. When in reality, that's, that's like our work of, of growth. And that's our, that's our, that's our personal work of like shedding well, that's why those it's so things. hard to, get, to shed the masks. Yeah. Persona, get rid of the mask. That's why it's so difficult. Yeah. The, uh, I love his, he said my addictive tendency to validate my worth. Addictive tendency is really powerful because addicted, like being, knowing that addiction is in my blood. addictive tendencies justify the very next thing, Mm -hmm. right? So I have an addictive tendency and I can, my addictive tendency can justify what's right in front of me. And in the, in this context, it is, I'm going to just manipulate or I'm going to deceive, or I'm going to, you know, try and get some uh, uh, affection from somebody based on how I know how to get it just to make myself be able to feel, think that I'll feel a little bit better, but it lasts for three seconds. Or I'm going to work two hours extra today so that oh, at dinner I can yes. tell my wife that I closed on this uh, sale and that sale. Yes. Which I was obviously very like proud of you for and <laughs> thought it was great, but I just really love you and I don't really care yeah. whether you did that or not. So here's what's interesting about it though. The addictive, ten- we have an addictive tendency to validate our worth, right? Um, 
And yet it is an unattainable place that we're striving for. Mm-hmm. Addictive tendency to justify the thing we're about to do mm-hmm. when our personality is driving the bus. And yet we have to recognize that it's an unattainable place. And we even, when we sit in quiet and stillness and in prayer, we know that. We yeah. know that it's unattainable. So here's here's the, I guess, the climax in my in my opinion. Richard Rohr says, every unrealistic expectation is a resentment waiting to happen. Wait a minute. So if I have an addictive tendency to justify my very next behavior in order to make me think that I'm going to feel a little bit better while also knowing that it will never get me to a place that I'm actually striving for, I'm actually creating a an expectation for myself that I will equally and probably more so resent after I do that addictive behavior. Yeah. That's fascinating to yeah. me. Because you are creating that shit cycle and then you're perpetuating it. Correct. Correct. That is a shitty cycle. That is some real, that's some real deep, deep shit right there. As we continue to constantly fail to meet our own standards, we will forever be stuck in a cycle of resentment. Which is like another reason as to why people, everybody in the world needs to dive into the Enneagram. And more importantly, into the gospel. But well, um, really, first and foremost, the gospel. Yeah, this is why I said more <laughs> importantly, um, and that's why we started this season with identity and mm-hmm. dignity and value, because that's foundational to all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, on, honestly, like the nine types don't matter. Your triad, your saints, it doesn't matter. It's if a tool. You've, if you miss, it's not an identity. It's just no, a tool. That's why if, it doesn't matter. Yeah, if you've missed dignity. And identity, then the rest of it doesn't doesn't matter. Any closing thoughts? No, that was that was a lot. Also, not super happy. Or yeah, but we don't grow by looking at <laughs> yeah. what's happy. We grow by by looking at well. I think the darker it's stuff. It's just not fun. My my seven week wants a little bit of fun. fun right now. <laughs> I That's just want what's a little. I just want a little bit of fun. Uh, but next week we are going to be talking about. Next week will be really good as well. But then after that, it'll get really fun because we'll talk about triads. So just hang tight um, next no, week. This is, it's a, <laughs> we don't do a podcast that's fun. I our know. Point, our podcast is not trying to just have, be fun. I know. But yeah, next week we're going to talk about childhood next wounds, week will be fun. attack on virtue. And then after that, we're going to dive super deep into the triads, which that will be really fun. That will be fun. It'll be uh, more simple to talk about for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next week. Let's wrap. Wash your hands. Thanks for listening to the Other Half Podcast. For all the details and links from today's episode, check out the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, or screenshot it to share with your friends on social media, tagging us at Justin Boggs and at Meredith W. Boggs. We'll see you next time on the Other Half Podcast. See you guys.